0: everyone you're listening to Ed Young Radio Ed Pastor's Fellowship Church and we want to thank you for listening with us These next few minutes together can change your life and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com Enjoy the message I'm calling this series Kool-Aid That's right Kool-Aid How many of you like Kool-Aid You remember drinking Kool-Aid maybe back in the day or maybe you still like Kool-Aid The more sugar the better right Yes Everybody likes Kool-Aid. Kool-Aid is a universal drink. Kool-Aid became famous uh, back in the day, but the phrase drink the Kool-Aid gained popularity due to cult leader Jim Jones. This wild man had his followers drink Kool-Aid that was laced with poison. The result was many people were devastated. Many people lost their lives. Isn't it true that our culture is giving us some Kool-Aid? Isn't it true that many of us are drinking the Kool-Aid laced with poison? We're just drinking it, not thinking about it. And as we look at the horizon of our land, as we look at where we're going, we see destruction and devastation. That's why we're talking about the institution of marriage today. We're talking about gay marriage, a very, very controversial subject. If you just bring up homosexuality or the gay lifestyle at a party or in a conversation at work, people get nervous. People sort of do the pushback. It's not something that a lot of people want to talk about. I think at a crowd this size, in this venue, I think a lot of us are in different groups and we have different mindsets when it comes to this particular subject. I believe a lot of us here are sort of ambivalent. We're like, you know, it is what it is. You know, what people want to do, that's cool. In the privacy of their home, they're not affecting me. They're not hurting me. So I think just let people do what they want to do. A lot of people I talk with are ambivalent. Others of you here are silent, what I mean by that is there's a silent struggle going on. You feel an attraction, a leaning toward the same sex. You don't really know what to do about it. Maybe you haven't acted on it. Maybe you have acted on it. It's your secret. I want to tell you something. It took a lot of guts to come this weekend. It took a lot of guts to show up to Fellowship Church because you knew what was going to be on the plate. And we welcome everybody at Fellowship Church, no matter where you are, no matter what you look like, no matter who you are. A lot of people deal with different behaviors in a silent way. And I understand over this topic, especially a lot of men and women, a lot of young people would deal with it. Others here are defiant, though. Let me, let me talk to those who are defiant. We have some who were just poised to pounce on any word I say to take out of context Maybe an illustration I use or some statistical data. I understand that. And there's some, some, some pain in a lot of people's lives. And, and some people will leave this place. And with social media, they'll do blogs and they'll, they'll tweet this or, or text that. Totally out of context, totally out of the, the, the vibe of what I'm getting at and what God is getting at. So what I would tell you is just relax listen to this message, let's all see what God says about it. you got to understand, all of us are irrationally loved by the God of the universe. Every single person, we're loved by God. Jesus told the truth. The truth, though, he spoke in love. That's why the scriptures say, speak the truth, communicate the truth in love. We love people because God loves people, and we love people enough to tell the truth about them to others, just like God loves me, and God loves you enough to tell the truth about us in love. So we're going to talk about truth, but also we're going to talk about love. We're going to talk about love, and we're also going to talk about truth. Love has to have a truth source. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? So there's truth And we take truth and communicate it in, I believe, love, supernatural love, grace-filled love. Because all of us here are sinners. All of us here have committed moral treason. All of us here are people who need a Savior. Many of us have stepped over the line. Some of us have not. But I understand that some here are going to be defiant. There's going to be some anger. That's cool. Others here in this group would be reliant. You're like, Ed, you know, I, I, I rely on what God says about it. Maybe you've not studied it very much, maybe you've not examined it that much, but you're saying, I just, I just rely on it. The Bible says it, I believe it, that settles it. Well, that's good to say that. However, we've got to think. Jesus did not want us to check our intellect or our brains at the door. We've got to think and know why we believe certain things About life not only this particular topic but a myriad of other issues and topics out there we cannot have our heads buried in the sands of denial we've got to understand what's going on we've got to use our brains and think but the huge thing is speaking the truth in love now at Fellowship Church we base everything we do on two things and I want to say this right up front in my preliminary comments number one Everything we believe, the leaders here believe, everything is under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Everything. Jesus is Lord. Now, having said that, we don't always understand everything that goes on in life. There's trust involved. There's trust even if you don't live for Christ. We, however, believe that Jesus is Lord. Also, we believe and this has been in effect for the 21-year history of Fellowship Church, we believe the Bible is our authority. The Bible is our standard. The Bible is our true north. So when we have a question, we don't say, hey, what does that say? Or what does this group of people say? No, no, we say, what does the Scriptures say? So, Having said that, we understand the lordship of Christ. We understand that the Bible is our authority. So we are under the authority of God's word. No one here is under it perfectly. I'm sure not, nor are you. That, though, is how we base our church. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 5, these words about marriage. Check it out. Haven't you read... That at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female, uniquely male, uniquely female, and said, For this reason, or this cause, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. I've talked about this scripture a lot here at Fellowship. Lisa and I have written a book called The Sex Experiment about this particular text. Many of you have heard it. You're like, yeah, okay, I've heard that. Think about it. God made us uniquely male and uniquely female. In other words, there's a, a male quality and aspects of God. There's also feminine qualities and aspects of God. When two become one, the math of marriage you have something beautiful taking place. You have a picture of God's relationship with his people. So you've got the masculine joining together with the feminine. That's a picture of God's connectivity with his people. Jesus is called the bridegroom. The church is called the bride. It pictures God's relationship, God's activity with his people. It's the only Relationship on planet earth that mirrors the majesty of God's relationship with human beings. Marriage. One man, one woman in marriage. Jesus said it. It's talked about page after page, time after time in Scripture. Notice also the power of marriage. The power of it. God gave us, for example, sex primarily for pleasure. Secondarily for procreation. Man and woman, the Bible says, were naked and they were not ashamed. It's like when we were explaining the birds and the bees to one of our daughters. I will not mention which particular daughter. But after a while, you know, we talked to you know, her about the birds and the bees and explained about how men and women are made in marriage and everything. And, and, and then she, she, she went away and, and, and came back and she asked Lisa this question. She goes, how about people who are gay this is a young girl when she asked this question and then she said not lisa one of our little daughters said mommy the parts don't fit (laughs) and i didn't say that to make you laugh but that's so true the parts don't fit the parts fit in marriage so marriage is a picture There's power in it. Also, there's a purpose behind marriage. Marriage is the foundation of our culture. It's the building block of who we are. Obviously, children need masculine influence and feminine influence. A child needs both. So when we have marriage, we have the building block, the family, the power that God has granted us. And it's something that that we should use to launch our kids out of the family with great trajectory as they understand what it means to be a male, what it means to be a female, as they understand the beauty of marriage, that the parts fit, that God ordained it. Seven times in Scripture, four times in the Old Testament, three times in the New Testament, the Bible says flee, turn from homosexuality. Every time it's mentioned, it says we're not to do it. Now, I like to fish, as you know. Back in school, back at Florida State, Lisa and I would sometimes drive from Tallahassee, Florida to see her family in Columbia, South Carolina. It was about a four or 500-mile drive. I always carry a couple of rod and reels with me when I'm driving. And many times I would just stop the car and fish in these random ponds throughout The Dirty South. Now sometimes, I hate to admit this, I would scale fences, (laughs) multiple fences, to fish in a lake that I thought had a lot of big, old, dumb bass in them. (laughs) But here's the deal. When you see a fence, what do you say? What's the fence for? I mean, why is there a fence? Obviously there's a fence for a reason. I heard someone say that a long time ago. This old man said, when God puts a fence somewhere, We've got to ask ourselves why. Why the fence? I'll tell you why. God knows what's best for us. We've got to understand it. God knows what's best for us emotionally, physically, psychologically, even sexually. God knows it, and it's a trust issue. Either God is God or we're God. That's the issue we're dealing with. Some people choose, as we know, the gay lifestyle. Some people feel those leanings, this proclivity toward the gay lifestyle. Like any other behavior, like any other choice, like any other situation, we either align with God's Word or we malign God's Word. The Bible is a book of the alignment. But I've got to address some issues. Why? Why? What are people saying? Why are some people gay? Why are some people homosexual? Why do some people find themselves attracted to members of the same sex? Well, as I've done research for years on this topic, because I've spoken extensively about it, about sexuality, about marriage, and even about gay marriage and the homosexual lifestyle, many gay men and women point to an environmental influencer. They say, you know, it's the environment. Interview them, talk to them, read the data. Back in my family, my father was this, or my mother was that, my mother was absent, my father was absent, or whatever. Many times people emerge from families like this, and they have heterosexual desires. Other times they emerge from families like this, and they say, you know, I have this strange attraction to the same sex. Others, as you do research, would point to an experiential situation. They would point to an older friend, a trusted relative, who stepped in and had a sexual encounter, a same-sex encounter with them at a very impressionable age. Again, some people can absorb this and move right along and have heterosexual desires. Others that I've talked to, that I've read about, would say, you know, that was the thing, this experiential influencer that, that led me into the gay lifestyle. Still others would say, oh, it's chemical. I have this proclivity. And, and a lot of people, several years ago, began to say, oh, there's a gay gene. There is a gay gene. I'm telling you, there's a gay gene. A gay gene has never been found. But let's say there there is gonna be a gay gene. Let's say there, 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 there was one discovered five years from now. Oh, that's the gay gene. It still doesn't take away choice. Dr. Jeffrey Satinover of MIT and Harvard says this. What the majority of respected scientists now believe is that homosexuality is attributable to a combination of psychological, social, and biological factors. Basically, what he's saying is what the Scriptures have been saying for thousands of years. We have this bent toward badness, this sin nature. No one taught me how to say mine. No one taught me how to take things that were not mine. No one taught me how to think impure thoughts. I just know how to do it. And the Bible says this behavior called sin disqualifies me from a relationship with Christ. We'll talk about that more in a second. Saddenover also uses the illustration of a basketball gene. I thought this was sort of interesting. He said, what if there was a basketball gene? You you had height, you had a good vertical jump, you had quickness, and, and you couldn't help yourself. You just, you just, Played basketball. I mean, there was, there was no real choice in the matter. You just, you just played the game. And now you're an NBA going coast to coast. There's no basketball gene. Just like there's no gay gene. I definitely believe, though, that we have tendencies and, and, and a proclivity to certain things from our parents and from our family of origin. Nod your head. You're like, yeah, we all do. You ever find yourself, man, my, my father does the same thing. Ah, I'm just like my mother. I said I wouldn't be, but I'm just like. Okay. We have a choice, though. What if I said, dad is just unforgiving. He He's just an unforgiving guy. I grew up in that. I have this proclivity, this tendency toward unforgiveness. And, you know, a high school basketball coach back in high school really messed me around my senior year. I tried to forgive him, but it didn't work. I took the forgiveness back, and now I just can't help myself. I'm just an unforgiving person. It doesn't make sense. And what do we hear people say about this issue? I am what I am, so I got to do what I do. I am what I am. I'm gay. I can't help it. So I got to do. What I do. Well, psychologically, it doesn't make sense. We're a combination of nature and nurture with the freedom of choice. Philosophically, it doesn't make sense. Okay, desire. Desire is king. Desire is the deal. Well, what if I have the desire to hijack triple sevens and fly them into skyscrapers in New York City? Oh, no, don't, don't, don't hate on me. That's just who I am. I can't help myself. It's just the it's just desire. So we're putting desire so often in all of our lives, over and above what God says. Well, I feel a certain way. I'm, I'm wired a certain way. I'm attracted a certain way. Okay? We're, we're all sinners. We're all attracted we have a leaning of proclivity toward maybe greed, maybe lust, maybe anger, maybe slothfulness. I, I don't know. Just, just just, pick a sin. We're all sinners. We all have this proclivity. But to say, hey, I don't have a choice in the matter. I've got to do what I've got to do. I'm maligning if I believe the Lordship of Christ, if I believe the Bible is the authority, if I believe God has my best in mind. I'm abusing God's directive. I'm tearing down God's fence. I've got a Kool-Aid mustache. Well, it's just from within. I've heard this before. It's just from within. I can't help myself. I've got to do it. It's just from within. That's right. Mark chapter 7, verses 21 and 23. For from within... I'm just reading the Bible. Out of men's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality. We get the word pornea from that. That's any sex outside the marriage bed. Homosexuality, adultery, premarital sex, so forth and so on. Theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness. What a laundry list. Envy slander, arrogance, and folly. All these things come from inside and make a man unclean. I'll admit it right here. I have the potential of all of these sins in my heart for them to run rampant. I do. Name the sin. So do you. So do you. It's a choice that we make. We either trust God with the totality of who we are or not. God is God. I'm not God. God, I trust you. God, I see, God, that that I've fallen short. I see, God, that I'm doing life my way instead of your way. Even though I've got to sacrifice emotions and feelings and what the culture is telling me, even what our president is telling us. The gay community is a powerful, powerful community. Lisa and I have many friends who are involved in the gay lifestyle. They know where we stand, and our theology is simply this. We want to build bridges and draw lines in the sand, and they know that. I know at Fellowship Church, we have numbers of people who are involved in the gay community who attend each and every week. We, listen to me very, very carefully, accept everybody. I'll say it again. We accept everybody. We accept everybody. We're all sinners. We accept people who have evil thoughts, those who are sexually immoral, those who steal, who lie, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, so forth and so on. We accept everybody. We don't, however, approve of their behavior. But the culture who is slurping Kool-Aid tells me, oh, acceptance means approval. No, 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 no. What are you drinking? No. Acceptance. We, however, love you enough to speak the truth, and we love you enough to tell you in love the best for your life, the best way to live life, whether it be in marriage, whether it be in dating, whether it be in handling your finances, whether it be a temptation at work, or whatever. That is who we are, because that, quite frankly, is who Jesus is. Acceptance and approval. We accept people but we don't applaud our simple behavior. For example, we hate homosexuality. We love homosexuals. We hate adultery. We love adulterers. We hate lying, but we love some liars. What would happen, see, if we begin to live this out? How would you respond? Let me ask you just, just a quick question. If, if some neighbors moved in who were gay, next to you in your apartment complex, next to you in your neighborhood, would you invite them over for coffee? I hope so. Would you invite them to fellowship church? I hope so. Would you build bridges and draw a line? That's what we're called to do. So again, we're talking about the lordship of Christ. We're talking about the authority of Scripture. We do, however, have to mention the gay agenda because it's real. The gay agenda says that marriage and the gay lifestyle, for example, is is, is conventional and normal. The gay agenda says that what they do is similar and conventional. Well, a recent Bell and Weinberg study reports that 43% of gay men have had 500 or more sexual partners in the same study 75% of gay men have had over 100 or more partners and 28% have had over 1000 or more partners i've done some research and some study talked to physicians and read their reports what the gay community practices is not similar and conventional to what heterosexuals practice in the bonds of marriage. Also, the gay agenda says, you know, we really desire to, to marry and raise families. As I said earlier, a child needs a male and a female in the home. It's the genius of God. You got the male qualities and the feminine qualities of God being joined together. And there's so, so few children who even live in in gay marriage homes, or, or homes where you have same-sex people involved, that, that it's not even hardly worth mentioning. Also, too, the gay community wants a full minority status. A full minority status. I don't want to deny anybody, nor do we at Fellowship Church anyone's rights, but how can you use sexual behavior and use that as a marker for minority status? Why don't you have minority status for adulterers? Why don't you have minority status for child molesters? where, Where does the argument stop? Where does it stop? Gallup asked Americans, how many of you believe, how many people do you believe are gay in our country? Gallup reported that people responded by saying 25 to 26% of people in America are gay. But the most recent data that I can find from the gay and lesbian community reports that only 3.8% of the population is gay. Isn't that interesting that we think so many more are gay than actually are? I can tell you why. We're talking about the gay agenda here. Only 1% of U.S. households in our country are same-sex unions. Only 1%. And only 8% of those have kids in them. So again, we need to understand these things, process these things, we need to speak the truth in love. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 9 through 11. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? This is another tough laundry list of some sins here. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers, Will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. Is that awesome? The Apostle Paul is talking to some Corinthian Christians, and they were all these things. They were slanderers. They were swindlers. They were homosexuals. They were. They were. Isn't that great? Were. I mean, I love that word. Were. I'm a were. How about you? You were? Isn't that great? Isn't that awesome? Were, were, but you were washed. Yeah, we reject the Kool-Aid and drink the living water, right? You were sanctified by the blood of Jesus, by being washed by the water of the word. You were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Justified, just like I ain't ever sinned. Jesus, is righteous. He is holy. And because I've received that when God sees me, he sees the righteousness of Christ. Doesn't matter what your were was. Were. Man, that's 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 awesome. I remember a friend that I knew several years ago. His name was Victor. Very, very active in the gay community. Wealthy, young, handsome, articulate. One day he came to church. And he got ambushed, power-washed by the grace of God. People couldn't believe it. I mean, this guy, we're talking, led out in the homosexual community, a champion of these things I just talked about. As I watched him grow in his relationship with Christ, and he'd be the first to tell you, yeah, Ed, I, I, I still felt those leanings I still felt the attraction, but attraction is different than action, right? He turned from that, I watched him, turn to the Lord, God power washed his soul, I watched him get involved in church, and then, over a period of time, I watched him reach out and bring dozens of his friends from the gay community, and I watched them bow the knee to Christ. It was absolutely awesome. One day, though, I was standing in this area of this particular church, and Victor walked up to me. He said, Ed, I want to tell you something. He said, I just found out that I have AIDS, and I'm dying. And many of us watched Victor, suffer and die and move from this life to eternity. See, we have a choice. Victor, if you could stand right here on this stage, would say, we have a choice. We all have a proclivity. We all have a leaning. It's a choice that we make. And what's so sickening and what's so sad is to hear our commander-in-chief, who has a ginormous Kool-Aid mustache, who's not involved in leadership but leader slip, floating on the seas of relativism, making a statement like this. When we think about our faith, the thing at root that we think about is not only Christ sacrificing himself on our behalf, but it's also the golden rule treat others the way you want to be treated. How whack is that? Here's an educated man, strongest leader as far as position in the free world. The golden rule, the sacrifice of Christ. No disrespect. Jesus, though, sacrificed his life for your sins and mine. He sacrificed his life for, let's go back here, evil thoughts and sexual immorality and theft and murder and adultery and greed and homosexuality, malice, slander, arrogance. Uh, What? We're to treat others like we want to be treated? Well, if I'm dying, and I'm dying because, right, I have a a disease called sin. If I'm dying, i want to say, hey, uh, tell me, show me that, that, that I'm dying, I'm gonna to go to a doctor and, and get some medicine. Well, we, we have people who are dying without Christ, dying in sin. Christ sacrificed himself for our sin and rose again. And God loves us enough to speak the truth to us in love. So I want to speak the truth to everyone in love. That's the way I want to be treated. I know you want to be treated that way. Speak the truth in love. And I'm telling you, there's, a, there's another scripture that our president should read. Isaiah 520. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. It's time that we stand up, church. It's time that we talk openly, firmly, and lovely about our culture. It's time that we build bridges and draw lines of love and authority in the sand and say, this is what God says. This is what he says. Anyway, here's what the gay community can expect from us. Okay? First of all, obviously, that we're gonna speak the truth in love. And we love the sinners. We're all sinners enough to speak the truth because truth is about love and love is about truth and Jesus is truth and God is love. So that's settled. We will give everybody from this day forward respect. Respect. That does not mean approval. Yeah! Respect and acceptance. First Peter 2.17, show proper respect to everyone Everyone. The adulterer, everyone. The pornographer, everyone. The slanderer, everyone. The one who thinks evil thoughts, everyone. The murderer, everyone. The homosexual, everyone. Everyone. We're all sinners. Secondly, we will be a place of understanding. Now, to put it in the right context, Matthew chapter 19, verse 19, love your neighbor as yourself. All this junk and funk comes from within our hearts. Our hearts, if they've not been power washed by the Lord Jesus, man, they're, they're evil. We have a bent toward badness. So we can all identify because we're all sinners. I can identify, so can you. So we should have that kind of grace and that kind of mercy. One, one final word to those here who are in the gay lifestyle, or those who are struggling with it, or having thoughts about the same sex situation. I wanna encourage you to do what my friend Victor did several years ago. I want you to confess. The word confess means to tell the truth about your condition Is say, God, power wash my soul. I wanna do life your way. I give everything, even these leanings, these burnings, these yearnings, I submit my desires to you, God. God can change your life. You're just one prayer away from it. After you confess, because this is a complex issue, I would submit to you to to walk into a counselor's office. All you have to do, you can do it in the privacy of your your home, of your apartment. Just log on to fellowshipchurch.com and just type in counsel. We have a list of men and women who would love to sit down and talk to you about your situation. Because I truly believe revealing your feeling is the beginning of healing. I really believe that. And so often we think, okay, if I share this, people think I'm really crazy. No, 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 no. When we reveal it, we have great empathy and sympathy and understanding and a greater respect. So, so I challenge you to do that. So after you confess, no doubt. Seek counsel. And then I cannot emphasize the third thing enough. Become a part of the church. That's what Victor did. I'm telling you, that is what Victor did. And his life was never the same. He didn't he didn't uh, begin to date women. He just said, you know, I understand who I was. I understand the were part. I know what God wants me to do. And, and I, I just, am following him. And man, what an impact that he made. So I'm so excited to see and to know so many people who've come from the gay lifestyle. So many here who are struggling with it. So many here who are dealing with it. And, and a church that is so, so accepting of people from all walks of life. I thank you, church, for praying. I thank you for listening. I thank you for engaging. Let's no longer gulp down the Kool-Aid of our culture. Let's drink the living water and be washed by it as we discover what God has for us. Would you pray for me? Father, as our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I wanna pray for every single person who's struggling right now in some area, and that includes me. We all struggle with sin. We all deal with it. But God, today, as we've talked about the gay lifestyle, as we've talked about homosexuality, I pray that every person here would understand your heart and my heart and the hearts of the leaders here. God, I pray right now that many would just begin to confess this this behavior to God. And just say to yourself, God, I confess these desires, my lifestyle, my thought life, I just confess it to you. I submit my desire to you. I turn from that and turn to you, God. Others of you need to ask Christ to come into your life. You need to say, Jesus, I turn from my sin and turn to you. Jesus, come into my life power wash, my soul with forgiveness and grace. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've been involved in, Christ will change your life. God, give many here, many men and women, the boldness to to seek some help, to seek some counsel. You've told us that there's a genius in the multiplicity of wise counsel. And I pray for the committed men and women here who help lead and guide and counsel others, And I pray just for an amazing, amazing thing to happen. Also, Lord, may many here get involved in this church. May many here do what my friend Victor did, step up. And I'm telling you, God wants to use you in an amazing way. Father, we all struggle with stuff. I thank you for your forgiveness and grace, and I thank you for giving us a book about alignment. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional.